Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Kozanski, and I am thrilled to welcome my guest today. Megan Hale is here with us today. I have followed Megan for a long time through other therapists and therapreneurs that I know and have influenced me and my journey. And so it's a real honor and privilege to have her here today. Let me tell you a little about Megan. Megan Hale is a business strategist, fintech founder, and former psychotherapist supporting brilliant therapists, gifted coaches, and wise practitioners who are leveraging their wisdom to shift the way we live, love, work, and lead. She's the CEO of Megan Hale Co., where she guides her clients to combine both their knowledge and knowing into signature offers that last and to create sustainable business growth that takes them to six figures and beyond. Megan is also the founder of Dream Money, which is trademarked, a financial education company that's closing the knowledge gap for entrepreneurs so they can earn more, give more, and fund a more just and joyful world. You are already hearing the resonance of heart-centered therapy, heart-centered leadership, heart-centered life. So this is really going to be a great episode. Megan's Dream Money Blueprint, a holistic profit planning system for boosting revenue, managing your money, and building the business that can intentionally fund your dreams, has been taught to hundreds of entrepreneurs around the world. And she's now in the process of building the Dream Money app an intuitive financial hub for managing both your business and personal finances to create sustainable abundance and make the highest level financial decisions that turn dreams into things. Yes, a former psychotherapist turned business strategist is creating a financial app. It's amazing. <laughs> you can connect with Megan at both her website and on Instagram at meganhale.co. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. I am so thrilled to be joining you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure. I want us to jump right in and have you answer this question. And I've shifted a little bit. What does being a heart-centered entrepreneur mean to you? Oh my goodness. I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is really leading with connection first and always prioritizing relationships. I think so much of being a human is really having connection and building those strong relationships. So we're able to like pour into others, but also be supported ourselves. So if we were to lead from a heart-centered place, I think that's the first thing that I would really think about prioritizing. And I think the second, it's a very close second, <laughs> is also our values. And how can we really allow our values to um, guide us in the direction that we're here to take? Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It really resonates for me too, because I think that sometimes we forget as therapists that we are also in a leadership role, an entrepreneurial role. And it's important to see the broader implications. 
especially the giving and the connecting. And I know we'll talk about it more when we get to your framework. Yes, for sure. I think one thing I tell my clients all the time, even as business owners, I always take a human first approach. Because I think sometimes like we put on our entrepreneurial hat and we have to make all these decisions for what's going to be best for the business and all of those things. But I think honestly, like the more we honor our humanity and what we really need in any given moment or time, that's the thing that's really going to set your business up for the most success down the road. I'm always like human first, capacity first, always. Oh, so great. We're humans. We're humans first. And then we're therapists, parents, partners, all of those other things. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to give a little overview of hopefully some of the main things we're going to talk about today. And of course, we're going to dive into dream money and what that is. But along the way, we're going to talk about kind of these themes of prioritizing stability, that that is a must before we can then access bigger growth, expanding our profit and scaling up. So we need the stability first. It leads to big growth and then also navigating shifts in, compa- in capacity when obstacles and life stressors, which we know there are plenty of in the world right now, yeah. it's a heavy time when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's just an overview. But to start, some people don't know who you are. So Megan, tell us a little about your journey from psychotherapist to business strategist, money mentor, and still being part healer. Oh, yeah, Totally. So I think I was one of those people who knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to be a helper or healer. Like I remember taking my first psychology class when I was 15 years old in high school. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a whole world. And that's devoted to really understanding how we work, like our emotional landscape, our mental landscape and all those things. And I was also going through anxiety and depression as a teenager and went to my first therapist at the time. And I thought that he just had the coolest job. I was like, you got to be kidding. There's people in this world who are just helping people live like happier, healthier lives. And I think it was those two things of just being fascinated by the science, then also receiving therapy for the first time that I knew from that point on, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And so obviously when you know that you want to be a therapist, you have an academic trajectory laid out for you. So I knew from that time on, I would go to grad school and get my master's and open up a private practice. And that's exactly what I did. So the thing that I did not know at the time though, is that when I opened my private practice, that I was also saying yes to being an entrepreneur. And that opened up a whole new world for me of creativity and freedom and really getting to decide what do I want my business to be about? And what's the larger impact that I want to make? And I think that coupled with the fact that I was a military spouse I knew I was going to be closing my private practice before I even opened it, which is, I know, probably wild for many people. You're like, why would you go through all of that work to open something you're going to have to close? But it was a dream of mine to realize. And so I think it was around that time when I started to realize from real world experience, it's a lot of work to open a practice and to build your clientele and all of those things. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that every three years moving around with the military. So that's when I started getting curious of how else could my skills translate into a different world. And back then, that was 2015, online therapy was still, and I still think we haven't figured out everything there is um, when it comes to online therapy by any means, but it was very new back then. And so it just didn't seem like that was the direction that I really needed to go at the time. 
but that's when I found coaching and I made the official leap in 2015 when we moved bases. I closed my practice. I transitioned just a small handful of my clients into a coaching partnership as they were ready for that. And then went all in on building the business that I have today, which has changed course many times over the past almost nine years. Yes. Wow. Wow. And you can hear more about the many businesses she's had. I've been binging her podcast <laughs> and you talk about it in even some of your newer episodes, like when I was doing this or was it wild and holy, like you yes. know that part of your experience in life. And there's so much. So people know you from different walks of mm -hmm. your business life too. Yeah. And I think the thing that's been the most meaningful is that there are still people who who met me early on, 2014, 2015, when I was just starting. And they're still part of my community today. And they've come along all of these transition points. And it's been really meaningful to have those relationships just last that many years and go through so many different evolutions. Yes. Yes. That's huge. Remind me if we don't get back to it, because community is really important to me and to what I think therapists need in terms of just thriving in their lives, in their practices. But I also want us to talk later as so you dive into business and money, where does community fit there? So I'm just going to put a pin in that to make yes. sure we, we get to that because that's very important. And I think that has like the broader ripple effect of how our work can impact more than just our own lives. And you take a very meaningful approach to money. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And we're just going to like skip over all of those things because therapists already know that we have broken systems with insurance reimbursement and we're not taught business in school and all of that. So we're going to skip over all of that. We already know that. And I'd love to just start with kind of relationships with money and you talk about stability. So let's mm -hmm. just talk about what does that even look like prioritizing stability? Yeah, totally. I think that piece really found me in a time when I wasn't even looking for it. I would say, so I started my, this business in 2015 and really was struggling, honestly. Um, it's a very different animal of learning to grow an online business than it is to have a brick and mortar practice. I was really fortunate at the time when I had my private practice that we were in a pretty small town and mm -hmm. I have, I had much more progressive values than a lot of the culture in that town. And it's because of that, that made me stand out in a way that allowed my clientele to really build pretty quickly. And so I didn't really have to market a whole lot. And then when I shifted into the online business, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a whole new thing that we are like, this is a skill set. We're definitely going to have to spend some time learning. And so for those first three years, I was really struggling to get my business to take off. I thought that it was probably a money mindset issue because the money mindset, that term was started to come into my world. I'd never heard it before entering into the online space. And so I started doing all of this work of unpacking my money mindset. And that's the problem. That must be what's happening. And all chasing after this six-figure carrot that somebody was telling me, this is what you need to do in order to create success and all of those things. And so I was doing that and also feeling like a financial failure for most of that journey because I wasn't anywhere close to meeting this benchmark. And then something really amazing and also challenging happened <laughs> at the same time where I was forced to ask myself very different questions. So it was 2017. I was a month shy from getting ready to have my second baby. 
I had a one and a half year old at the time. So I was getting ready to have two under two. And my husband told me that he was going to be deploying for six months, just three weeks after we had our second one. And already that was a lot to just digest. Right. So this was also the year where things were slowly starting to build in my business after those few years of it, just really struggling to take off. And so there was this one part of me that was really not knowing how I was going to hold all of these things this next year, while also knowing that I didn't want to take the foot off the gas of the momentum that was finally starting to build. And so I was wondering, how can I say yes to both? How can I say yes to everything I'm going to be holding while also continuing to feed this momentum that I have been longing for these years? And that was the first time when I really started to get much more specific with what does stability look like for me this next year? Mm -hmm. And that is what led me. Yep. Yeah. As a new mom Mm -hmm. of two under two with your husband deployed, not even there worrying about him and a growing business. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Can't you just feel your capacity starting to expand right now? Like, how are we going to hold these things? No, it feels like it's shrinking, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was in that moment, though. And I think Mm -hmm. the question of saying, what does stability look like for me was really a deeper question of what's going to help me feel secure this next year. I, so I can't hold all of this. That's the expansion right there, Megan. Right. So that's the leap that I didn't make. Right. Cause I was like, oh no, I feel constrained. And you're saying, what is going to help me expand? Yes. So powerful. Yes. And it was that moment. I had never opened up a spreadsheet in my life ever knew nothing about spreadsheets ever, but for some reason I was like, I really need to get into the nitty gritty numbers of what I really need to have happen this next year for the business to have that level of security so I can hold everything I need to hold in my personal life. And that was the foundation of what has now become the Dream Money Framework and the Dream Money Blueprint. And it's just, it's been a really beautiful, wild ride that I never in a million years could have imagined. But it was really asking myself that question of what does stability first really look like for me that allowed me to create a very different reality for myself that next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. It's amazing, but you're so down to earth too with all of this, right? You're talking to us about financial success and stability. And I feel like you could also easily be someone's best friend. Like you're so down to earth. I just love that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just who I am in the world. I think that's the other thing too, right? Like we think that like financial success is going to change us or we become, I don't know, not as relatable or whatever that means. And I'm definitely not the most financially successful person in the world by any means, but I want money to feel approachable and accessible to people because for so many of us, it's not. And it definitely wasn't for me, the grand majority of my life. There weren't safe spaces to talk about money. Talking about it was seen as bad or wrong or whatever message we received. And so really starting to ask myself different questions and find, create an intuitive framework that allowed money to feel accessible and safe was like life-changing for me. Yeah. And I'm sure for so many of my listeners and myself included, like we long for that because the messages we have are, do not connect with money being approachable and accessible and, you know, the, the relatable connectedness. Yeah, I think it brings us back to our where we started this conversation, right? Of what does it mean to be heart centered? It's around connection for me. 
And money can be heart-centered, but we have to understand our own connection to it. And I think that when I sat down and I created this framework and it led me to some really beautiful business shifts that next year that I talk about on the podcast. But the thing that really ushered in in 2018 was all of this money healing work because I had financial stability for the first time ever in my business for a whole year. I had 12 full months of revenue secured and coming in. And it was fascinating to just watch all of the ways that I projected my anxiety onto money or my self-doubt onto money and nothing had changed with money. Money was literally the most consistent thing that year. Mm -hmm. So it was this beautiful window of like, how am I intentionally connecting with money and how am I creating barriers to connect with my money? So many good things just started to show up from all that, from that place. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And so you describe it as like a healing journey with money. Yes, absolutely. So what's an example of maybe a barrier that you would have previously put in place, not intentionally for money? Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) I feel like this is going to be a really long conversation, but I'll try to be succinct. I think Mm -hmm. the thing that really showed up for me is And I think people have developed theories around this. I didn't know it at the time, but what I was noticing is when I had stable cash flow in my business, like sometimes I would sit down and I would feel really anxious and I would want to micromanage everything, make sure that I hadn't forgotten everything. Is is this too good to be true is how it felt. And I would notice how I just go into my accounts and make sure, double check my work, second guessing myself, all of the things, right? I was trying to create the sense of emotional stability for myself by micromanaging it. But then there would also be some days where I didn't want to sit down and look at the numbers. I was scared of what they were going to say, and I wanted to avoid it. And I think just from my background as a therapist, I was like, oh, this is an anxious or avoidant attachment style showing up here. And I actually am very disorganized, (laughs) come to find out. (laughs) No wonder it's really hard for me to regulate around money. So I think when it comes to how we can be creating these subconscious barriers, I think one, we don't really think about money as a human to human relationship with attachment styles and those types of things. And so when we have a way of really assessing our behavior and our interaction styles, I think that gives us so much more clarity of how we might actually be creating these barriers for deeper connection with money and what we're really needing in order to feel more safe and secure. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So even like I'm a couples therapist. So even if I looked at money as one would look at a partner in a couple. And so then like I'm one of the partners and money is the other. And I love that bringing the attachment lens in there because that really does make so much sense. We do things that are like trying to manage our anxiety around money, could be micromanaging, could be avoiding, what else? We've all done that. And so thank you for sharing that so vulnerably too, Megan, because that helps us. It helps us feel like, okay, if she used to do that and now she does something differently, maybe we can too. That's the hope we need and and the practical tools we need too that you're going to get into. Oh yeah. I think that's the thing that I love so much because I still go back to those behaviors when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling afraid, but because I know those as being signs for me to start tuning in, oh wait, this isn't really, sometimes it's about money, but lots of times it's not about money. Like what's going on here where you need to feel more safe or reassured or whatnot. So I think that's why I love it so much. But the other thing that showed up that year too, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with the five love languages. It's a pretty (laughs) common book. And especially as a couples therapist, I'm sure you're familiar. That was also the thing that started to show up for me too, is 
if I really wanted to have deeper connection with money, how did I want to be shown love from money? And how could I intentionally ask money to love me in those ways? And more importantly, how was I showing up for money in those ways to love it through those languages? So as an example, let's say words of affirmation are a key love language of ours. Mm -hmm. Money is not really going to be able to speak to you because money is an entity. It's not a human. But what we could do is be really mindful of how we're affirming money for ourselves. So if we have a negative belief system around money, or we're working through some stuff with money, like what showed up for me in 2018 is like a lot of anger, actually. If you don't show up for me, you make me work so hard for you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this isn't actually a lot of loving words of praise or affirmation towards money. So no wonder I'm not pouring into this relationship in that way. So I think that was another window where I was like, oh yeah, if I want to be loved by money, I also have to show up with love for money. Mm -hmm. And what does that process look like for me? Mm -hmm. That's so important. And it's really a key belief of mine too, in terms of leading with love Mm -hmm. as a leader, as a human, and we neglect to bring money in there. And yet if we do, then the ability to even transactionally use money for good, for greater good, just really starts to exponentially expand, right? You could give charity. If you love money and you lead with money and lead with love rather, love that way, there are really some amazing things that could happen. Oh, yes. I think that's like where money work just gets so fun for me because we really get to look at it through this relational lens. But then how do we want, how do we want these values to show up through money? Those are such great examples. And I know we're going to get some more as we go through, but the love languages or the love languages in tacos or however you think about it, look at that and insert money and see what comes up for you. It's a really great exercise. And this will help our clients too, that we work with because money issues and money conflict is always there. Yeah. It's probably one of the biggest reasons for divorce, right? (laughs) With couples is is money. And we all have our own money conditionings and stories Mm -hmm. and beliefs and all of those things, patterns, styles, attachment style, (laughs) like all of the things. So Mm -hmm. when you bring that into a relationship with somebody else who has very different beliefs and upbringing than you can, of course, cause a lot of conflict. Yeah. So maybe this is a good time to share a little about the dream money framework and Mm. the pillars of it. And I love when you talk about it. I think our listeners will really be intrigued. And so, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Of course. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes version right now. If you want to go and listen to the whole series, it's available on TBD where I break down each um, piece of this, but I want you to imagine that dream is an acronym, right? So we have D R E A M And each letter stands for a very specific pillar that we are really looking to intentionally create with our money. The D stands for deliberate. The R stands for reliable. The E stands for easeful. The A stands for abundant. And the M stands for meaningful. Okay. So when it comes to deliberate money, what we're really looking to create here is one, how are we deliberately designing our money to be respectful and honoring of our time and our energy? So this might come down into your business model itself, how you are structuring yourself to receive money. It might come down into your price points and making sure that your rates are really aligned for 
your time and energy that you are moving or putting into session. But it also comes down to being really deliberate with having a practice around money and how are you intentionally spending time with it and getting to know it and all of those things. So when it comes to money, from my perspective, there's a really high degree of intentionality of really being clear on what you're wanting your money to do and how you're intentionally structuring it to do that. Um, But also making sure that you're deliberately building connection and relationship with it and being aware of your mindset and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like Megan, it goes beyond the manifesting approach because this intentionality is based in a deliberate practice. I'm sure that manifesting plays a role, but there's something different the way you describe it. Yes. And I manifesting, I think for me, isn't something that I usually talk about, mostly because I think the way that it's described in the marketplace is it really overlooks privilege and how that intersects with what we're able to manifest. So I always like to be explicit in naming that. Mm -hmm. But I do think when there is a deliberate practice around even being able to stay mindful and aware of your beliefs or your projections onto money, that gives you such a window to realign those things, right? Of being open to opportunities or being mindful of any judgments that you're casting and how those can prevent similar things that you want actually coming into your world. So yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that you bring that up. Yeah. The intentional piece, sometimes I think it can get misinterpreted. And so I really love that D deliberate. All all of these letters are great. Okay. Yes. Yes. So when it comes to uh, the reliable money, some of this is going to come down to your pricing models. And when we're in a one-to-one model, our sense of recurring revenue is really going to come from having long-term clients that we're doing deeper work with. As we expand our business models into one-to-many offerings, There's a lot more possibilities that open up around stepping into recurring revenue models where we can really design your money to always be on its way, which is really amazing to do as entrepreneurs. And that's going to go into your sales cycle and your launch cycle and making sure that as certain payment plans are tapering off, we're replenishing that revenue and so on. But I think the reliability also comes down to having some systems for you to reliably direct your money. And for you to really build up this sense of self-trust with money, right? That you can be reliable with how you're managing it. And that's going to come down to some money systems. And so reliable money is a little bit strategy, but it's also systems as well. Mm -hmm. So those two things go hand in hand. And I think the next piece of this is all around easeful money. And this one, my friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have four episodes just on easeful money alone because ease is not easy. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us conflate the two and they're very different things. So if we want to step into easeful money, one of the biggest pieces is we need there for there to be a high level of familiarity. When we think about something that feels easeful in your life, it's probably something that you've done over and over again. You have a high degree of mastery in this thing, right? But it didn't start off that way. You had to lay the foundation and learn the skill and keep on doing it and practice and practice it until it became second nature. And that's really what I'm inviting you into here with money is we have to create money systems that allow us to really understand our numbers and our margins and our price points and all of that. And it's going to be hard in the beginning because it's new. It's like learning a new language. 
If you have an intuitive framework that can really help you learn the language of money, that's the thing that's going to create a lot more ease down the road. And I think so many of us, when we're thinking about useful money, we want it to feel clear. We want it to feel simple. And that's where money systems are going to come in. But of course, we also have the inner work side. And for most of us, when we are not in ease, I tend to find myself in a place of forcing something, or I am letting my doubt or fear run the show, right? And that's just, it siphons all the ease out. And so some of this is really being grounded in a commitment to yourself that if you're forcing something, you have to step away and trust that something's still going to get done or a new idea will come through or whatever that is. There's a high degree of trust, surrender, and faith in creating ease for yourself. And none of those things are easy. (laughs) I've learned that the hard way. (laughs) That's so beautiful. So beautifully said. And it really, it really speaks to me too about we either force things or we get so anxious and we turn away and the self-doubt and that sense of having this confidence that's connected with the easeful approach, because then you have that trust that you're not afraid. You're not going to walk in fear around money. Instead, you're going to trust that you have these things in place. And that I think really sets entrepreneurs apart when they Mm -hmm. have this confidence around money, but I see it connected to so many parts, pillars in your framework, but easeful seems pretty significant. Oh, it's definitely significant. And I think too, a lot of our money beliefs intersect with ease. So for instance, a lot of us were handed down the message that money comes from hard work, right? And we have associated hard work with work ethic, but ethical to whom? Mm -hmm. Ethical to capitalism. Yeah. Ethical to burning yourself out. Ethical to, I'm not going to stop until this is done. Ethical to, I have to do this faster. And I think if we want to step into ease, we have to ask ourselves the question of how can this be useful? Where am I complicating this? Where do I feel like I'm trying to create this hard work for myself because I have learned or internalized this idea that I am only allowed to be paid well when I have worked hard for it. So, so many things start to show up when you really get underneath ease because ease is really hard for us to allow. It doesn't feel safe for many of us because there's so much conditioning around that particular pillar alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those components make a difference in how we can be sustainable or not, right? Because it's like that hustle (laughs) culture. And I hope my listeners like just rewind what Megan (laughs) said there, because it's so important, right? That we don't burn ourselves out. And yet we're acculturated to do that. Early messages early on. And yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And depending on how you were raised and like gender roles play into so, I think that's why I never in a million years thought money was going to be my thing. But money is a window to literally everything. Everything is connected to money, like Mm -hmm. religion, spirituality, cat, like everything. Yeah. Every institution is connected to money. And so it gives us a really beautiful window. But I think the other thing that it it does is it, it can be very overwhelming because there are so many layers. And when you really start to pull the layers back, you're like, oh my gosh, 
is there ever an end to all of this? And I think that's probably one of my greatest lessons from like the early years of my business is I really felt like I had to be in this healed place with money before I could step into more earning. But Mm. what that really positioned me into is that I had to earn, like I had to earn earning when I had done enough healing work first and the healing work, my friends, it's never through. (laughs) So we do not have to heal our money story before we step into more money. Thank you. Exactly. And Megan, (laughs) that's just what we say all the time, right? Healing happens in relationship. And in this case, it's in relationship to money while you're doing these things. Yes. And I tell people all the time, like earning is healing. Earning Mm -hmm. is healing. It's a big part of healing. Earning, not burning out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I can talk about ease all day, but let's move (laughs) into the A and the M here. So when we're talking about abundant money, the way that I really approach this, and I have to credit Brene Brown's work so much for this, because there was this quote, and I want to say, I can't remember if it was in the gifts of perfection are rising strong, but she says something around this concept of abundance is simply more than enough, right? And so if we want to step into more than enough, we first have to know what enough is. And if we cannot clarify what enough is, we're going to be seeking this thing that has no end in sight because that has no root. It has no basis of contrast, right? It has no place of measure. And so when I was really determining what stability looked like for me, what I was doing is I was calculating enough. What Mm -hmm. does enough truly mean for me? And it was the first time that I was able to unplug from all of these other messages around this is what success equals and blah, blah, blah. No, what does success look like for me this next year? Which meant I had stability and I didn't have to worry about my business. And I could simply focus on my personal life, which needed me a lot that year. And so if we want to step into abundant money, which is more than enough, we need to know what enough is first and foremost. That's the math part of it. And that's what my calculators help you determine. But the other piece of this is all around your mindset too. If we want to experience abundant money, we have to know that there's always more than enough money to go around. There's always more than enough clients that need your help and support. There's always more than enough room for you and your wisdom and your work. There's always more than enough resources. There's always more than enough time, right? We cannot have an abundant relationship with money if we do not have an abundant relationship with all of these other things. That's so beautiful. There's always enough room for you and your wisdom. Oh, such a gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when we're feeling in that place of scarcity, with money, scarcity is there's not enough. And sometimes it's going to feel that way. There will literally be days and times when you do not have enough money in your account for the expenses that are coming out. And I think this is, I have a whole soapbox around (laughs) scarcity mindset because I think that it can bypass people's real lived experiences. It's not to say that we don't honor when things are scarce because there will be times where there is true scarcity. There is not enough while also holding the dichotomy that just because this is the reality does not mean that is the future, that we can have the abundant mindset knowing that more is always on its way, knowing that there is more than enough available to us. We just have to take action to call that in and do what's in our power to control. So abundant money mindset, I feel like it gets bypassing really quick. And I want to be the antithesis to that. Yeah. (laughs) Not bypass real experiences. Yeah. Not bypass that. Yeah. And you, you also talk about like 
the next right step or the next best step. And that seems to be like what you're talking about this way too, right? Things can be hard and we need to not give up. Like your hope and inspiration that you share with everyone is so, so great. Thank you. I, I do believe a lot of my anxiety is needing to have all the answers and have it all figured out, which doesn't bode well when you're an entrepreneur because you're never going to have it all figured out. You're never going to know how all the things go. Right? So I think that's probably been one of the ways that I've coped with that is I might not have all the answers and I might not have it all figured out, but I do know that I will always know the the next right step and I can always take that. And that next right step is always on its way forever because it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So, yes. Thank you. Yes. And, and so to wrap us up here with the M. This is probably my favorite, but the M is all around meaningful money and how do we create more meaning between us and our money. And I think this has a couple of different layers to it as well, just like ease does. The first is I am a firm believer that we all need to have meaningful money goals. We deserve so much more clarity and specificity than growing a six-figure practice or a six-figure business. Like I want you to know down to the dollar exactly how much is enough for you based on your financial needs, which are going to be unique to you, and also your financial dreams that are also going to be individual for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so the first step that I take people through in the dream money blueprint is really helping you calculate meaningful money goals for you that are based on your needs and your dreams. Having your numbers in front of you that are incredibly, maybe your first dream money goal is it works out to be 123,987. Okay. It's going to be a very specific number down to the dollar. And you're going to be like, huh, I never in a million years would have been pursuing this number had I not done this calculation. But the reason this matters is because if you were just pursuing six figures or a hundred thousand and you didn't have this, you would be so close to reaching Mm -hmm. this enough goal for yourself and still coming up just a hair short. And so when we have this specificity, we have this clarity It allows us to make those higher level financial decisions for our business. Maybe you only need to bring in two more clients to get to this really powerful revenue goal for yourself that funds so many amazing things, but we won't get there unless we have that number in mind to begin with, right? So meaningful money goals, huge. (laughs) I want everybody to have real numbers. But the other thing is, is I think it's also earning in a way that's aligned with your values. That's one way that We allow the money that we're making and generating in our businesses to feel more meaningful because we made that money by using our gifts, using our strengths or marketing in a way that feels like we're shifting a system, right? We're using connection as a way of marketing our businesses instead of fear or FOMO or shame or any of those things. There's so many opportunities as entrepreneurs to be really intentional about that. And I think the last thing I'll add to meaningful money is having a give back in your business. Because when your money can ripple out in ways that it can impact people that you likely will never even meet, the money that's coming into your business isn't just about you or your family. It's about something so much bigger than that, right? And so those three things together, if we're talking about connection with your money, oh my gosh, those are the three things right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets at the community piece too, when you decide how the ripple effect is going to expand beyond you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think dream money, the community aspect of it, I think it's really inviting people to opt out of just these blanketed benchmarks of success and really define 
success on your own terms. And I think that's really important because success is not something that we will ever reach unless it's personally defined by us. So the same is true for financial success for sure. So we need to understand like what our unique numbers are that are really giving us the life that we want. And it's not about you wanting what anybody else wants. It's about you really doing the work of getting clear around the things that mean the most to you. And sometimes Megan, that can be really hard because we have that comparison trap all the time. And we see other people doing this, or I don't even want to list all the specific things, right? But that's why you're saying the specificity of our money goals and also our goals that we're going to achieve from the money. Absolutely. When you calculate your dream money goals, I break them down to these three different segments. So I call them your good, your better, and your best. And your good goal is always going to provide for your financial needs because when you've met that goal, you're literally good. You're covered. You're taken care of. That was the goal that I was pursuing in 2018, right? What does stability look like for me? But then we also have your better and your best to start to fund your dreams. Okay. The reason that these goals are so helpful beyond them just being incredibly specific to you is that there's a lot of pressure in business, especially, and maybe even in life and as a whole for us to grow more. There's been many years where I've had my good, better, best goals laid out. And I say, I just want to pursue good this year. And that mm. is good for me. Yeah. Some years I'm like, this is the best year. I'm really going to go all the way to the top. And that's what I'm going to pursue, right? So it gives you fluidity to create different types of success for yourself. And I think that's also where we can weave some of the capacity conversation in, right? Because mm -hmm. there's going to be yeah. some years, my friends, <laughs> you're at capacity and just need you to focus on good. And good is still great. In yeah. Those years, right? Good is still great. Exactly. You're with your babies or you're with your family or you're doing something, building a house, whatever it is, right? Like you're present and that's when it's good. And you have the stability and the security. And it's yeah. life-changing for so many of us too, creating mm -hmm. that stability. And so I think sometimes there's always a shiny object out there and bigger is always better and more is always better and all of those things. But I really haven't found that to be true, actually. In fact, the more I focus on better and more, it can really disrupt the level of fulfillment I'm feeling right here in this moment. So you getting to choose and have the sovereignty to choose and have the clarity of what that choice really means for you from a numbers perspective, I think is just, it's just so profound for an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's also, I imagine where you bring your intuitive practice and intuitive understanding that you were able to cultivate as a therapist and as somebody who's like really connected to other souls, like you just are, you can bring that in when we know we can listen for that inner wisdom of what do we want? Is it good? Is that what we need? Do we want that good security? Or are we ready to like really grow? Are we in a place where we can grow and thrive? And I mean, I've had to ask myself that I've, you know, gone through really hard times and I'm like, how come I can't grow my business right now? And my friend said, well, if you're in survival mode, you're not going to be growing your business. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. And I think growth looks so many different ways too. Like Back in 2018, it, it was a financially business shifting year for me, but also I was building a lot of foundational pieces that year. I was developing a whole framework. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know all the restructuring shifts I was making were going to be foundational for everything I teach my clients today. 
And I wasn't even looking at that type of growth. And so I think sometimes we have these years where it might not be like a financial growth year. Maybe it's just a a financial maintenance year and that's okay. But there's inner shifts that are happening that are creating a rich foundation in which to spring from the following year or what have you. Yeah. And it's those inner shifts that I see as connected to our Mm self-care because it really comes from within. Yes, we have to do these external things for like our system, but the self-care part, as we connect it to our financial health, seems like it's turning inward. Oh, yes. And I'm so glad that you coupled like financial health and self-care together because I really do see that financial well-being is a huge part of us having a healthy whole self, whole life. And I think so many of us have been taught to separate or silo financial well-being when it's literally, it impacts everything. Mm -hmm. Every single aspect of our lives impacts. Yeah. Oh, you have this free calculator. I want you to tell us about that. Is it really as simple as if we were to start to establish this new relationship with money, is it really this simple that we could start to relate differently, use the dream framework and start seeing changes in our financial health? Because I I think there's like doubt out there. Could this really be true? Okay. I'm willing to take the pledge. Yes. Yeah. So dream money framework is simple. But simple does not mean easy. Okay. So if you really want to have some tangible felt shifts with your level of safety around money, your level of financial confidence, that is going to come down to you having a consistent practice with money. Mm-hmm. So in 20, like the calculator is going to be, a, you need, everyone needs a calculator. <laughs> I'm not saying that because I want you to join the email list. I'm like, I truly believe like you need to see money from this lens because it's going to break down your seven key financial needs that you have as an entrepreneur that are unique to you as an entrepreneur, if you are here to grow a business and it's going to give you a very specific number that is yours. No one else is going to have it. It's Mm -hmm. yours. And that's the thing that makes it so personally meaningful. Okay. But the financial clarity is just the first step. In 2018, when I was developing all this and I had calculated these numbers for the first time, I sat down and I met with my money every day for a full year. Wow. And I'm not going to say I did 365 days. I wasn't tracking it. Right. And it wasn't a goal. It was just like, I'm committed to shifting what is happening with me and my money. And so more times than not, let's say five out of seven days a week, I sat down. Sometimes it'd be for five minutes. Sometimes it'd be for a full hour. Right. But I was creating a space for me and money to connect. That's when I started to notice, oh, there's some interesting attachment styles going on here. Oh, I should probably weave in some love languages here if I want to feel like I have love for money and all those things. But the thing about money is if you want something to feel safe, we have to have intimacy. That's what it comes down to. And as relation as therapists, I know that we all get that. And so if you want to have intimacy with something, you also have to know it deeply. And we cannot know something if we don't spend time with it, getting to know it. So it's really having that consistent practice that can change so much. And I know a year is like a long time for lots of people, but the assignment that I give my clients is just do it for 30 days, do it for 30 days and watch what shifts between you and your money. And Mm -hmm. every single time people are just like, 
I don't understand how this is happening. Like it's somewhat a little bit of exposure therapy mixed in, I'll be honest, but there's also a lot of other beautiful things that are mixed in too. And so the dream money blueprint, it's going to give you the structural pieces of money of really understanding what you're designing your money to do and understanding your margins and your price points and your numbers and all of the math part of money, which that's a big piece of building financial confidence. But I'm also leading a 60 day program starting in January where we're going to talk about our transgenerational money beliefs that first mm -hmm. month of really understanding what is the conditioning that we hold? What do we need to be looking at that we're holding as financial truth that actually isn't ours? And how can we really get intentional with what we want our financial truth to be? And then the second month is all around building this nervous system safety with money, where we are going to be meeting with our money every day for those 30 days, mm -hmm. because I know how much can shift if you make that small commitment with you and your money. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, it almost sounds like trauma recovery work with our transgenerational messages around money and how we interact with it. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. That's what's happening in my world. And I think the, the cool thing is that I'll share with your listeners is I'm building an app right now. So to turn. Oh, yes. Tell yes. us about the app. Oh, <laughs> yes. my goodness. <laughs> So I've taught the Dream Money Blueprint to hundreds of people at this point, and it's just been so incredibly healing for them of, of building financial confidence, building financial safety, and everything's built on spreadsheets right now. And so if you buy the current product, it's all built on spreadsheets, but I promise you, people call me the spreadsheet whisperer because I help people who don't like spreadsheets learn to love them for the clarity that they offer your business. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, I had never opened up a spreadsheet until I created this whole thing. So there's nothing super advanced in there. Okay. If you I can do you it, said that. So I'm like, you're the person <laughs> for me. <laughs> if I can do it, I promise you can too. Um, but I do want to create a more accessible platform for people. So taking it off of spreadsheets and creating its own app um, for it is what we're in the process of doing. And so right now you can buy the full dream, uh, dream money blueprint for $9.97 and you get access to that full 60 day program with me for free. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And that's what you get by becoming what I'm calling a funding dreamer, because you're literally funding the development of this app and all of that's available for $9.97. However, I also wanted to create a different level for people that's called being a founding dreamer. And a founding dreamer means that you get access to just the dream money calculator, where it'll help you calculate your good, better, best goals. So you have those unique to you money goals that are foundational mm -hmm. for stepping into more meaning with your money. And you can get that for just $247. So I'm hoping to have 100 funding dreamers come in and 1,000 founding dreamers to help me build this dream of mine for really helping close this financial knowledge gap so many of us have as entrepreneurs while also building this really meaningful relationship with money. Wow, that is amazing. And Megan, I love how you're just modeling for us what you're teaching, right? That you want 100 funding members, 1,000 found. You have the specificity here. Yes. It's amazing. Right. It's yes. so great. <laughs> I think specificity is that starts to inform strategy, which is like the whole other side of what I do. But yeah, when we know what we want our businesses to do for us and what we need in order for that to happen, then it allows us to ask the right questions for how to make that. So I think a lot of people, I tell many people, it's a money first approach to business, which people are like, but what about people? I'm like, I promise we're not taking people out of this at all, but I want you to know like money is like the air your business needs to breathe. Mm -hmm. And so by looking at the money stuff, getting clear about the money stuff, that's the thing that allows you to support more people. So I don't want us to demonize money either. Like money is just money. 
That's how I want yeah. us to feel about it, right? As part of doing business, as part of doing life. So how can we get intentional with reshaping what we've been taught to think about money or believe about money or feel about money or any of those things? Mm, yeah. And you're so relational and you're even taking a, a relational approach to money and to marketing and the whole thing. So it's people is still very much in the equation and helping people. Like that's huge. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. This is really such an eye-opening conversation that we've been able to have and sharing your expertise with my listeners. I'm so grateful. I know people are going to want to check out your website and your podcast. So Megan, tell everyone again, like where they can find you and what they're going to find at the different places. Yeah. So if you go to meganhale.co, you will see a banner right at the top that talks about the dream money blueprint and how to become a funding and founding dreamer. I highly recommend going and checking that out, not only because we have the live program that's starting in January, so that's time sensitive, but I also started leading bi-weekly money calls for both our funding and founding dreamers. And so these are an opportunity just to have a space to talk about money. Like we need to be talking about it. <laughs> so yeah. they're very casual. They're very community-based. Somebody might have a question and we just dive into that question for an hour or so, or sometimes we talk about business strategy or structure. Yeah, I'm an open book. So they're <laughs> just there to support you with your relationship with money. And so those are happening now all the way through May, 2024, as we really build the stream money um, community and get this app off the ground. Mm -hmm. That's great. And people can access your podcast there and your Instagram, mm -hmm. your Facebook, everything is right there. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so great. What would a parting message be? Because this has just been so rich and detailed and robust in terms of trying to shift our thinking and our thoughts and our feelings toward money. What would be a parting message you'd want to tell my listeners going forward about money? <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us are have the hesitation that it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of work to, to shift how money feels or to shift our financial reality. And what I see time and time again is that it's really like the small steps that lead to big leaps every single time. If you start making headway today, you have a financial system. That is first and foremost, like you need a framework and a system, like what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but if you can just take one small incremental step every single day, that is going to compound so much over time. So I know that it might feel really overwhelming right now and you don't know where to start and you don't know if this can feel different. Take it just one tiny baby step at a time and I promise they will add up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us, Megan, and can't wait to learn more about Dream Money and hopefully make it happen for a lot of people. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. That was such a fantastic episode with Megan Hale. I'm so grateful to her. She's a super busy entrepreneur and took the time to come on the Heart Centered Therapist podcast and share with all of us. So huge thank you again to Megan. And you can find her in the show notes or go to the website, meganhale.co. But I want you to think about these two things and I have a small assignment for you. So first, think about those five love languages, and let's just review them quickly. Words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, physical touch. Those are the five love languages. And how do you relate to money based on one of those love languages? So think about your relation 
to money from this stance of how you connect with it as if you were connecting with a partner. Two, let's review the DREAM Money Framework. I just love this acronym. DREAM stands for Deliberate, Reliable, Easeful, Abundant, and Meaningful. And this is how she conceptualizes a strategy for financial health. And it is really so resonant with people who work from a heart-centered leadership, entrepreneurial approach, because it starts with connection. So here's my assignment for you. Could you try to spend one week spending time with your money each day? One week. And it might be five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour with your money. I'm going to do it. And I want to know who else is in with me. So send me a message, tag me on Instagram, Heart Censored Therapist, and join the community. And let's all try to do this for a week and see what happens. And imagine if we notice even small changes in one week, what could happen in 30 days? What could happen in a year? This is the first way to becoming intentional with our money and seeing bigger ripple effects in our personal and our professional lives. Thanks again for listening. And until next week, stay heart-centered. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.